welcome to the Breaking 90 podcast, where we talk about all things sustainable fat loss. We take people on 90-day journeys to creating fat loss forever. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Breaking 90 podcast. I'm your host, Jerica Rydell, my amazing co-host, Kelly Sarlow, and we are two of the coaches of Breaking 90 Fitness. Thanks for listening. Hey, Kelly. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. I'm really excited to tell you this today. Um, I was in your neck of the woods on the weekend and oh. yeah, we just wanted to get out of the city yeah. for the day. So North Bayites head over to Sudbury um, for some shopping and whatnot. And so a girlfriend of a uh, girlfriend and I went in to do an escape room. Oh, fun. So fun. And <laughs> we picked like, I think three out of five difficulty. Um, we finished. It was the first time I've ever actually escaped wow. an escape room um, with six minutes and 11 seconds to spare. That's awesome. That's so funny you brought that up. I just was saying to my boyfriend, I'm like, we should do an escape room. 10 out of 10 recommend. Yeah. And the ones you've got in Sudbury are great. So to, it so great, in fact, that we walked out and we looked at each other and we we're like, let's do another one. (laughs) We went in for a second one. They put us in the most difficult one that you've, that you've got there in this particular, um, business and we made it out in the nick of time. Yeah. And then just to overdo it, we were like, well, let's do the final one. So we went in, we did three. Yeah. We did three for three. It was so much fun. And, um, the conversation that we had ahead of time was just like, look, we're going into this escape room, just the two of us. Cause you can do up to six people. Right. Right. Um, and I was like, the most important thing is that we come out still friends. Um, cause it can really, (laughs) (laughs) it can really test your patience and your communication skills and all of that. Um, so it it was a ton of fun. We did three for three and had just the most fun. Two things. I feel like one, they should have a trophy for people that can do it, or a name on the wall or something. And two, I think I feel that more people is just more chaos. So I think that's you guys approach it in a great way too. It's the way to go. Yeah. And actually I've done one with four actually with Alex and his wife and it, it was great. And we had a lot of fun together, but it, you're right. Like you have so many more people to consider. You have so many, so much more input happening at the same time, but you're trying to figure out like six different problems. Um, so you're never really sure where to put the information. So two what? people is like really regulated, which I loved. Cool. So fun. That's, that's I'm my gonna story. Have now soon. I love it. That's a great story. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so I've got a topic today, which I'm excited to bring to you because I think it's, it's a question that a lot of people have or a problem. I should say that a lot of people do have, um, when they're getting into health and fitness, specifically movement related health and fitness things. And so I wanted to kind of pose that as a question to you and let it, let you take it in a couple different directions. If you want, why am I not recovering? Why would I not see recovery? Interesting. I like this a lot. One second. I'm just writing a few things because I forget stuff quickly. Oh, I like Um, that. Okay. So there is a lot of different directions we can take. Yeah. And I'm going to scenario it. So I'm going to ask you some questions back and just make up your own scenario. Sure. Okay. Okay. So first question is, are are you, are you brand new to this routine? Sure. I like that. So as a, as a brand new, um, workout or, or someone brand new to fitness, even kind of exploring my body, like why might I not be recovering from soreness 
from a workout. Awesome. So when you're new to movement, you're going to be, well, depending on the volume, which we'll talk about, um, you're going to get quite sore because moving your body in ways it never really has before or activating muscles it never really has before um, will in fact and obviously make you really sore. Now, when you're new, that soreness, you'll get used to these movements and that soreness will dissipate over time. So I don't like to scare people away too much when they're new to an exercise regimen, whether they're joining classes or starting a new program, um, because the program may not in fact be too much. It just may be that, well, it may be too much right now, but it, it may not be too much for you in that your body's just got to get used to it. So I always say, give it a little bit of time and soreness at the beginning is expected. Now, if you're new and you're three weeks into the same progressive overload program and you're on week three and you're, you're still just as sore as day one, um, then was something worth chatting about. And that would likely be either the volume, the types of movement, D depending on who your coach is that there's exercises that are more difficult than others and so these exercises are more technical or they involve certain muscle groups and what have you so there might be exercises that are too difficult to start out like I wouldn't have someone maybe do I'll give you an example a single leg deadlift um, with a kettlebell if they've never done proper mechanics of just a normal deadlift with a kettlebell with two legs mm. right so we're throwing in these more challenging utilizing multiple, you know, um, senses balance and we're holding this and we're twisting here. It's just, that's too much for someone as a beginner. So keeping right. the movements very basic would be the first thing I would look at in this beginner program. The next thing, like I said, would be volume in this beginner program. Am I doing too much, too many reps, too much weight lifted at the end of the month or end of the week? So, um, it is kind of a numbers game in a sense. And it doesn't have to be that complicated. It could just be if, if you're someone creating your own program and you don't have a coach, right? And you did this program, you wrote something out and you're like, I'm a beginner and I'm not recovering. And Jerica mentioned it might just be too much. Well, then take two exercises off and try doing that for a week. Take three off. Or if you love all the exercises, do two sets instead of three sets, right? So it's not necessarily about... Um, doesn't have to be perfect. It's just doing a little bit less to eventually do a little bit more. Ooh, I love the way you worded this. So doing a little bit less to eventually be able to do a little bit more. And I, I hope perfectionists are listening <laughs> specifically because we don't, we, we advocate the opposite of perfectionism, right? Not, not getting into that all or nothing mindset. So you're saying peeling back today is actually going to allow you to do more in the long run. Definitely. Cool. And that just, like I said, that's just in terms of getting our body used to some form of either some basic movements, some compound movements, just activating these big muscle groups. Eventually we can start activating the little small muscle groups that support it. And, you know, just making things a little bit more challenging over time. Okay. Can I hit you with a different scenario? Yes. I have a couple others. If you don't, if Ooh, you don't. Awesome. Okay. okay we'll, we'll get to all of them. So I'm not new to health and fitness. I'm an athlete. I've been running for five years. I do volleyball and, you know, year round in different terrain. Um, and I play softball as well, but you've put me on this new program and I just can't seem to shake the soreness and the fatigue. How come I'm not recovering? Okay. Awesome. This is what I was thinking next. So the first thing I would say is similar to 
the beginner program when even if you're a seasoned athlete and your program gets switched, new exercises come in, you'll get more sore. And I tell this to clients that I've been making programs with for months and months and months. It's like, hey, new, new block coming in, heads up, you're going to be sore the first week, maybe the second week. And then you should be able to, you know, be able to move normally, feel a bit of soreness, but it shouldn't affect your day-to-day activities. Now, if this is not a new block and all of a sudden we're just, you know, we're just this busy and nothing else has changed in our life other than, um, obviously our soreness is the one only thing that's changed. Then that's when we can start thinking about for athletes is the word overtraining or too much is going on, right? We're not allowing our body to recover. And this is where the conversation is going to go in a lot of different directions, but, um, Sorry, I'm just so excited right now, Kelly. This is a great topic. I <laughs> so many thoughts, man. Okay, so as the athlete, right, the first thing you're going to ask is how much time, or not even an athlete, just someone, you can even call yourself a recreational athlete. Like, I like to call myself that. <laughs> oh my, my, from the woman who has won. So oh my God, I still got it, right? I'm almost 30, I still got it. Okay, so between events, right, if you work out in the morning hard and then you might let's say you have a run program for the afternoon, but then you've got volleyball or softball that night. Is that enough time between all these events to recover or at least get some recovery? And A, B, are all these things that you're doing today utilizing the same muscle groups? Mm-hmm. Right? If those questions are, yes, I'm using the same muscle groups and B, no, I'm, I'm feeling like I, I haven't even been able to sit down. I've been working all day. And then we'll talk about water and nutrition and all those things. Then, then that's when you're you're asking either A for an injury, B to enter this word of overtraining, doing too much without enough rest. Um, and that can get quite dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really cool because I do hear some people say, like, well, I've been doing this for six years. Like it can't be too much. I do this all the time. Right. And they think they might think that they're recovering until they truly recover and be like, this is how I'm supposed to feel. Yeah. which is so surprising to a lot of people. They're like, oh, you know, I sleep, I drink my water. I love being busy, boom, boom, boom. And they're like, but there's this nagging actually shin thing that, that I've had for the last like, six months that I just can't heal. It's like your shin cannot heal because you're expending too much energy. And when we expend too much energy or too many calories and we're not taking in enough or we're not recovering, we cannot put any focus. Our body cannot focus to heal that injury because it's just trying to keep ourselves going to the next event, to the next this, to the next that, right? So, and it's so common that you'll hear people who are in that overtraining bracket um, to say that there's something nagging and has been nagging for so long. That's because we cannot recover our bodies. That's a sign right there that we're not optimally recovered. And you can, I love to say like, imagine, or let's try to get you there just so that you can compare, write everything down right now that you're eating, doing, feeling. And then when we get you to an actually recovered position, we're going to write everything down and it's day and night. Like they think that they're operating optimally until they're really operating optimally. It's pretty cool. Very cool. Okay. So can you go into some of those other things that you just mentioned? Yeah. yeah, I'd like to talk about a couple little things and this is for the beginner the person that that daily gym goer, the athlete, this could be for anyone. So first is water. Water plays a really big component um, in our recovery. Of course, water is made up of every cell in the human body. Um, So if we're not consuming enough water, that alone 
Um, there's, if you're 2% dehydrated, which really is not very much, um, your performance can be affected by almost 30%. That's a huge number, huge number. Wow. Just into, and then that goes up every percent more that you're dehydrated. When you hit 3% dehydrated, that's, and I'll, guys, this is just like one study using random numbers. Now these numbers could be off by a couple of percent. Um, when you're hitting 3%, that's when you're starting to be like, okay, I'm thirsty. I'm peeing really bright yellow. So we need to be hydrating before we get there. Because now if we get to that point where we're super thirsty, pee is bright orange, yellow, you know, we're lethargic. Well, our performance is already severely affected and we didn't even know we were dehydrated. So that's why we always like to stay on top of or ahead of our hydration. Cool. Okay. Next thing is sleep. And this is something I feel like we've done a whole topic on um, and I could talk forever on, but what's important here is I would say sleep is probably number one when it comes to our recovery, because that is when we actually repair the tissues and that whatever was damaged during the day. Um, so especially in our REM sleep, that's when we have the human growth, growth hormone that's released into the body. And that's what does a big part of our repair. So, um, of course, we've talked about ways to get better sleep, the cooler room, you know, dark, dark room and, and go back to that podcast. If you're listening, you're like, ah, I should just start there. Go to that podcast because that would be a great place to start. Um, so sleep would be the most important. And then I'd probably go into water and nutrients next, which is I'll talk about food. Mm -hmm. Did you want any more about sleep? I, I could go on. I just know we did a whole podcast on it. No, I like that you're referring them to another podcast show. Okay. They can, like okay. you said, you can actually use a focus instead of trying to do all the things that Jerica's talking about. Um, you can start start there. Awesome. Yeah, it's that is when we repair our body, and you know, you. I'm not gonna say. I would say start trying to work on your sleep before even changing your workout regimen, right? And if we can't maybe get to the sleep, okay, then let's change the workout regimen to meet our energy needs now. But maybe once our sleep is better, then we can up that workout routine. Cool. And then nutrients, right? The food that we're eating plays a really big part in our energy levels to begin with. So that could go down to eating whole foods instead of um, processed foods and, and trying to get those micronutrients, your fruits, your vegetables, your greens, things like that, to, to try to give you that, the B12, the iron, making sure we're eating vitamins rich in these, because that gives us energy and energy allows us to kind of, to properly execute whatever we're trying to do in our day. And then when we're lacking these nutrients and we go to tackle these workouts or what have you, the sports, and then we get injured or we do too, too much or something. We pull a muscle, right. And things aren't working optimally. Yeah. I love that properly execute. <laughs> I think sometimes people think of the body as like this whole unit and it's like, well, I ate some good foods, so the body should be able to do something with it. And it's like, right. But different areas of your body need different foods and nutrients to properly execute something, right. It's almost like handing you a toolbox with like, select few tools and being like, build a house. You have a toolkit. You should be able to do it. And it's like, yeah, well, that's, no, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. I love it. Yeah. Use that time. And then the other big one that I, it has to be touched on is stress. Now this can be any form of stress, right? If your work, work life stress, your home stress is extremely high, your performance in whatever activity will be affected 
and therefore affect your, your recovery. So, you know, I mean, how often have we received messages from clients like, you know, what's going on at work right now? I couldn't even lift a fraction of what I normally lift. And that's, I can't tell you how many times a week I've gotten that exact statement, right? It's, and it's not to say that it's a bad thing. And it's not to say that, you know, your performance over long term is going to be affected if it's one workout, one week, what have you. Um, but it's to note that stress plays such a big factor on performance, which will then play a big factor on sleep, which will then play a big factor on recovery. Yeah, that's cool. I, I like to think of this one just in terms of analogy. Like if I have, I have different bank accounts for different purposes. Okay. So if I have a dog emergency fund, I'm putting those two things together dog emergency. And I'm upset that I can't seem to save any money, but my dog has needed a surgery every month. Right. It's like, well, because your resources had to be allocated elsewhere. That's what stress does. Right. So yes, money is still coming in, but it has to go to this other pot because it's taken more of a priority than savings. Right. So if your health and fitness goal is your savings, but you're not prioritizing sleep or you are staying in a stressful work environment or a stressful marriage, right? Then your resources are going to be allocated to your emergency funds to just get you through, which is survival mode, instead of banking all of this money in your savings, which is your actual health and fitness or i.e. what we're talking about, recovery. Amazing. Your analogies are the best. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, is there any other direction you'd like me to take with this? No, I, I really love what you did. And I think it gives a, a people like a lot to think about in terms of their own situations. Cause I'm sure some people will listen and say, yep, I'm the one that's stressed. Um, and I am sleeping well, but the stress just can't, can't subside until this period of my life. Right. Or some people might be sitting there going, I know my nutrition is lacking, but I'm sleeping well and I love my job. I think people are going to find themselves in different examples and know that they can just focus on one thing right now. Um, And it's a good episode. I would encourage you to go back and listen to it when your circumstances change to say, okay, now that this is under better control, what else can I give focus to now that my resources can go to different places? For sure. And I think something else that's worth noting is, you know, oftentimes people will say, you know, I'm so sore. I'm not recovering. Well, I should stretch more. I should go get a massage. Uh, maybe I should go to these or use this type of resource or go to this practitioner. And it's not to say that those are wrong things to do, but in my eyes, they're not, they're almost like a bandaid in the short term, right? It's like, well, yes, you're sore now. So you'll go get a massage and feel great short term. It doesn't last, right? It's like, what's really causing this soreness and, and it's differentiating and learning between, is this a good soreness or is this a debilitating soreness? If it's debilitating, you're not able to do activities with your family. You're not able to sit on the toilet properly. And I'm sure we've all been there. We can't live like that daily, right? So it's, it's figuring out what type of soreness is a soreness that's good for you and how to live with it. And then determining, okay, what are the bigger factors here? The water, the nutrients, the stress and the sleep. Or am I going to ignore those things and get, do the foam rolling, do the stretching, do the massage. And again, those are not bad things. We need them in our life for other, like, again, we've done a whole topic on mobility and, and the importance of using those, but I just want us to focus on what's important first, then do the short-term fixes on top of that. That's cool. And I like that you're bringing up, you know, soreness as a, as, um, 
an idea for people to really think about too, right? And, and we can take the concept of soreness and divvy it up between pain and fatigue. So if you're checking in with your muscles, am I actually experiencing pain where it's like a sharpness or a shooting or stabbing or any of those like really, um, those sensations that really grab your attention versus, okay, I have some soreness in my legs, let's say, or my biceps or my triceps, but it feels like fatigue soreness. It's it's more of that like kind of underlying, long lasting um tired as opposed to sharp where it feels like I need to actually adjust myself. Right. Yeah. That's really good. Really good kind of differentiation. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Cause, cause the pain, like, no, we don't want to live with that. The fatigue soreness for sure. That's, that's a, a result of, of taxing yourself. That's not going to stay forever if you're recovering properly. Um, right. But knowing the difference is really important. Yeah. And I'd just like to know, like soreness is, is not a bad thing like I don't want people to like some people will go and chase soreness or in their workouts and I just want to note that you don't have to be sore to have had a good workout and I think that's really important reminder right and that could be because you're getting used to the movements or you know you you just you don't have to push to that far now some soreness is again muscles are breaking down which is a good sign they're going to repair they're going to become stronger Um, but we don't need to feel soreness every day to say we had a good workout that day Love that. Again, I hope the perfectionists are listening. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. Um, So the tip that I wanted to leave people with um, is actually to clarify your assumptions. So it's a communication tip, really, Um, because we've been we're constantly talking about health and fitness concepts, right, and figuring out how to apply them or how they apply to you in particular as, as a listener. So my tip is anytime you have an assumption, clarify it right? Ask a question and your assumptions might be bang on, in which case you're like, good, I'm absorbing the knowledge. It's it's hitting right or, right or properly versus assuming to do what you've always done, never having clarified if that's actually a healthy thing to do, right? So like you just mentioned in, in the podcast as an example, um, oh, I'm sore, so I must need to stretch more. Well, that's an assumption. And have we ever actually challenged that to educate what else might help? What other options we might have? Um, So anytime you hear yourself assume something, formulate a great question, clarify with Google or an expert that you can talk to in person, um, and then go from there with actual good education. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Kelly. I love it. Okay. We'll leave it there for today. Uh, Thanks everyone for listening. And don't forget to share on whatever platform screenshot until your friends can see. Have a great day. 